Ladies and gentlemen. Ali, a sneaky right hand. Another sneaky right hand. This time he works over the shoulder of Foreman. Cosmopolitan in Las Vegas. No better place to be in the Las Vegas Strip. Our Friday home, of course. It is the T.C. Martin Show streaming live coast-to-coast, border-to-border, sea to shining sea, and, of course, locally here in Las Vegas as well. T.C. Martin, courtside, where? Inside the Vapulous Sportsbook, powered by William Hill. And today, we've got a football Friday. We've got a Major League Baseball playoff Friday, and it's fight week. So it is a fight Friday as well, too. Jam-packed show coming your way, as always. Glad to have you with us here from the hub on the Strip, the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas inside the William Hill Sportsbook. We have a jam-packed crowd here tonight. A lot of baseball fans in the house, too. I, I see a lot of a lot of black and white, little old-school red, white, and blue white socks love here. We got some Sox fans in the house, it looks like, definitely, huh? And where's my Houston brethren? Do I see many Astros fans here tonight? Not, not really, right? All right, we've got Major League Baseball. We've got game number two between the Astros and the White Sox and the ALDS happening. Also, the Milwaukee Brewers and the Atlanta Braves underway in Milwaukee in uh, game one of the NLDS in a huge baseball day-to-day, four games going on. So we've got that to talk about. And, of course, it is a huge college football weekend. The Red River rivalry shootout, call it whatever you want. Oklahoma, Texas will preview that with a plethora of other college football games coming your way on Saturday. And then, of course, the NFL week number five. We dive into that. And uh, highlighted by your Las Vegas Raiders hosting the Chicago Bears. A lot of people in town from Chicago to uh, see the Bears and the Raiders coming up on Sunday. So busy, busy weekend. And, of course, it is fight weekend. It is Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder three for the World Heavyweight Championship T-Mobile Arena. Build as once and for all. We will dive into that today as well, too. So we're hitting it all for you. Baseball, football, and, of course, boxing. It is fight week here in Las Vegas, and no better place to be, as always. A great show on tap. Great guest lineup, as usual. Mike Pritchard will join us, the former wide receiver, and uh, does a fantastic job on Raider Nation Radio and VEASAN as well, too. One of my former colleagues uh, as well. Uh, so always love having Pritch on, the former wide receiver. And uh, pride of the Colorado Buffaloes. Of course, Pritch played uh, eight, nine seasons in the NFL, so he will uh, join us. And then, of course, our best bet segment coming your way like we do each and every Friday. And uh, Trevor Maddich will be joining us, the 15-time Emmy Award winner, the former offensive lineman, but the 15-time Emmy Award winner from ESPN. Does a great job on ESPN College Football. He will join us as well, too. And our best bets are three best college plays, three best NFL plays, all up on the website at tcmartinshow.com. All right. Marco D'Angelo in the house. Our handicapper extraordinaire from Wager Talk. He will join us a little bit later on. But we start the show, since it is fight week, with my man who resided in Tampa, Florida for many, many years, but now moved over a little closer to us in Denver, Colorado, the Mile High City. And he is the 
author, proprietor of a great website, The Big Fight Weekend. Uh, you can check his articles, his videos, and he's in town covering the fight. We're talking about Marquise Johns. Marquise, great to see you here in Vegas on our home turf here at the Cosmopolitan. TC, this is an event not like nothing ever. This is absolutely amazing. <laughs> yep. Well, great to have you here, my friend. We're, we're covering it all. Nonstop sports talk, of course, coming your way till the 4 o'clock hour here uh, today. Marquise, you're here, obviously, for Fury Wilder 3. Mm-hmm. I know you and I have talked a little bit about it with you know different uh, po- podcast platforms and whatever, but here I wanted to get you on my show since you were in town here this week, and let's, let's preview this fight. Yes. And uh, give me your thoughts. I mean, here we go. Uh, the hype has been built. The hype was subdued because of postponements, cancellations. Not sure that we were even going to get a third fight, but we've got it. And it's coming your way tomorrow night at T-Mobile Arena. Build as once and for all. And for me personally, I hope this is third and all. And we're done with this trilogy with Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder. I think we are, TC. Finally, don't just fight on Saturday night once it's all said and done, hopefully. My thing I'm thinking of, TJ, TC, is that this stacked card on the undercard is up and down really, really good. And personally, I think the main event's a wash, but the, yeah. everything leading up to it, because it's all heavyweights, right. we don't know the unexpected. We haven't seen these guys fight in over a year and a half because of the pandemic and layoffs. It's going to be a real fun time to see what's going to happen. Yeah, and it will be a great card. So if you are going to T-Mobile Arena, get there early. And like Marquis said, it's a stacked heavyweight undercard as well, too. Bob Arum, top rank in conjunction with uh, PBC, uh, Al Heyman. It's always tough for these two promoters to to work together, but they did it before in the last fight, and uh, according to Bob Arum, the relationship is a little bit better, and it's it's nice to see because both of these uh, companies have some quality fighters, as we know. We know that, you know, we've been going back and forth with the welterweight division, with Heyman, with, you know, having all those welterweights, and then there's... Uh, Terrence Crawford just sitting by himself there under the top rank banner. So finally, we're going to get the first press conference between Showtime Sean Porter, our good friend, and uh, and Terrence Crawford coming up tomorrow as well, too. So a lot of big boxing coming your way in Vegas. And then also, you know, sandwich in Caleb Plant and Canelo Alvarez as well. Yeah, no, it's a big fight sweep schedule to close out the year, TC. And the one thing I'm looking forward to, especially is that fight with Canelo uh, and Caleb Plant for the undisputed uh, super middleweight at 168 because it's one of those fights that we just don't know if Canelo can make history or if a clamp will pull off the upset. It's one of those fights that I really want to see how it's going to shape out. Yeah, I know. So it's, it's a great fight time here in Vegas, and it's great to have fights back here in the boxing slash entertainment slash now sports capital of the world. <laughs> and uh, it'll all take place uh, tomorrow night. A lot of people have been asking me, what is the crowd going to be like tomorrow night for Fury Wilder? And I, the crowd is going to be good. We had Bob Aramon a couple days ago, and Bob said that the, it, the venue is not sold out yet, but it does, you know, see 18,000 plus for boxing. And uh, usually when you have a Tyson Fury fight, you can bank on at least anywhere from eight to 10,000 Brits, you know, coming across the pond. But yeah. because of the travel restrictions due to COVID, uh, that's actually not going to happen. But, uh, you know, I like to point out to everybody, you know, Tyson Fury has fought several times. Or what This will be his what, fourth or fifth time fighting here in Las Vegas. And Las Vegans love him. People in America love him. He really has turned into an Americanized version of the American heavyweight that we haven't had in, in decades. No, and that's the one thing that uh, I know with Top Rank, especially Bob has been talking about for years, is trying to find that next heavyweight to be the next guy that could be stand out in, like Tyson Fury. And Fury's been filling that spot up, uh, especially since he won the belt over Deontay Walter back in February 2020, right. he's been officially the man. And now that he is the man, is, is, we'll, we'll see where he goes from here with it. Yeah. So uh, Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder, this is the third fight. Uh, you know, we go back to the first fight, took place in December of 2018. Mm-hmm. It was a draw, it was a controversial draw. Uh, it really captured everyone's attention. At that point in time, not a lot of people knew too much about Tyson Fury. You knew about Deontay Wilder because he had de- defended his title on 10 different occasions. Yeah. And he was the guy from Birmingham, Alabama that had a big punch and really kind of set the, uh, the world on fire, even though he kind of came out of nowhere because this guy didn't start boxing until late really doesn't have great boxing fundamentals at all but he has that one weapon that uh, is you know so intriguing to just not just boxing fans but casual sports fans where he could put you to sleep with that as bob aram like to call it the bullet he's got that <laughs> bullet punch you know uh and that thunderous uh, you know right hand which he's put out so many opponents and we saw him drop tyson fury not once but twice in that first fight 
in uh, December of 2018 the Staples Center in LA but Tyson Fury shocked the world by coming into that fight and being able not only to hang with Deontay Wilder but basically win most of those rounds even though Tyson Fury went down in the 12th and final round and most people thought he would not get up with that ferocious right hand by Wilder it, it was phenomenal and Tyson Fury was composed gathered himself got up at the count of nine probably ended up maybe even winning that 12th round and uh and we went to the judges scorecards and we got a draw which kind of set up the whole second fight in the trilogy yeah and that, that's what led up everything up to the second fight the one thing about that first fight that always that, that people tend to forget is that fury was considered an also ran at this point where he shouldn't have been here where he was just going to be his number guy for uh, Fury for Wilder to line up and to get agree with that right hand, which he did twice, but it, it wasn't enough because he was out being outboxed the entire time. Uh, that's what led to the second fight, TC, where pretty much he did everything he said he was beforehand and actually executed everything he did in it when it took place in February 2020, where he said he was going to come in bigger. He came in bigger. He was going to use more of his reach. He was going to try to make in this fight in two or three rounds. He, he knocked him down in the third round. He was trying. He took to the seventh, but no, he was. He, it's one of those things where this this fight, this third time around, where I was really surprised. Uh, like leading up to it, hype wise, they really had nothing else to say. That's why, like before it got postponed back in July, they, these guys had a staring contest. They had nothing else to do at this point, so they they just figured, all right, well, we'll just uh, stare at each other and hope that the bell will ring the next time we see each other. Right, and, and, and that's where we are for Saturday night. And people, like I said, go back to that first fight, that famous 12th round, just one of the most uh, electrifying rounds that we've, we've seen in boxing in quite some time. And uh, that set up the rematch of February 2020, where Fury won, like you mentioned, in a seventh-round TKO uh, with a stoppage. But, you know, that was a night that Tyson Fury thoroughly dominated. He showed that he got himself in shape. Remember, this is a guy who had come off drug, alcohol addiction, mm -hmm. uh, was basically on death's doorstep, was yeah. suicidal thoughts, ballooned up to 400 pounds. And, uh, you know, so he really shocked everybody, and maybe even including himself, you know, with that first fight, the way he came back. But since then, Tyson Fury has just been uh, a man on a mission. He's cleaned up his life. Good for him. And again, when you talk about heavyweights, Tyson Fury is is the signature heavyweight that people want to want to flock to. They want to watch. They want to talk about. And not only can he fight, and he's got great punching power. He's got great boxing ability. But he's a crowd favorite as well, too. Yes, well, that's the thing, T.C. with Fury. Not only does he talk all this noise, he backs it up. And the fact that he's backing it up now, basically just with this offensive, is one of those things, uh, T.C., that I always love about these fights because you always find out how, 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 much, how tough these guys really are at the end of the day. And for, for, for as much as Fury has overcame, this is just one of those stories that make, makes a great story for the third book he's going to write on at some point. All right, Marquise Johns joins us from Big Fight Weekend. Join us here at the Cosmopolitan Las Vegas getting ready for Fury Wilder 3 tomorrow night. All right, so we come up with a third fight tomorrow night. And like I mentioned, Fury won basically every round of the last fight that took place here in Vegas mm -hmm. February of last year. If you go back to the, the, the first two fights, you can maybe make an argument that maybe Deontay Wilder won what? Maybe two, three, maybe four rounds tops? Uh, you know, you, could, you sure. know, I'll, let's go with four for, for a conversation. Let's just say, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But the bottom line is Tyson Fury pretty much had ha, has won the majority of battles of rounds when these two combatants have gotten the ring, and especially, you know, in, in that second fight. Yeah. So the question here is, mm -hmm. how bad do we really want to see this fight? Well, we want to see it, TC, because the one thing that Fury always has, and it's the thing that he does in a lot of these fights, is he's good for, he mentions all the time in his press fight conferences where he says he only has to be good for three seconds while everyone has to be good for 12 rounds, and pretty much he has lived and died by that for over 42 fights, right. and that's what we're going to get on Saturday night, because it's just that, we, we, it's always to see if he can set up that right hand, see if he can land with Fury one more time. We, see how, we saw him do it in the first fight, right. he tr sort of kind of lost his range in the second fight and had no shot whatsoever, especially once he got knocked down in the third round, that was over, so we're hoping to see See if he can go back to the third fight, his third fight, if he can repeat what he did in the first one, or if there's going to be the history of repeating stuff at the second again. All right. So when you look at both of these guys here, uh, they both have relatively new trainers over the last couple of years. Now, for Deontay Wilder, he made a trainer change after the last fight. You know, Mark Breland, is, it was very uh, much talked about where they had problems. We saw 
you know, Wilder was more concerned about his ring entrance yeah. and wearing this costume that weighed whatever, 22 pounds or whatever it was, and then he got tired, he got fatigued, and he blamed that. I mean, it was really amateurish for a guy who was, you know, undoubtedly the world heavyweight champion at that point in time, 10 title defenses. I mean, it was, it was crazy to hear the, the excuses that he made afterwards and then the accusations that Tyson Fury, you know, had... You know, brass knuckles or something in his gloves. Fake weights. Yeah, oh, you know, all this other nonsense, which, again, for casual boxing fans, that is preposterous and it's absurd because you're doing this in front of the Nevada State Athletic Commission where you're putting the gloves on, you're wrapping your hands, and you have one of your cornermen is overseeing this in each other's, uh, you know, dressing room. Yeah. So... It just seemed like Deontay Wilder was searching or making excuses. And Tyson Fury in the press conference on Wednesday was saying, listen, man, I mean, you've made all of these excuses, all this stuff. But then again, you found that you had to find, uh, bring yourself in a new trainer and all this other kind of stuff. And Wilder is still sticking to this that Fury cheated. What was your, your stance on, 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 the, on going back to the second fight after that? and then having to get brought up again or still from Deontay Wilder. It's still ridiculous, DC. And it's one of those things with the, with the fact that he's playing like the, with the conspiracy theories with the costume and the fact that he had uh, spiked water was my personal favorite one. It, it's one of those things where I just don't think water was just really to accept the fact that he lost the fight. And he was trying to do anything he could, plausible or feasible, to, ex- to erase the fact that he didn't lose that fight and was trying to put it on something else. Hey, say, you know, it's a lot easier if you, if you figure out after you lost, like, hey, it wasn't my fault. He cheated. You know, I mean, it's, it's a plausible story. It helps you sleep at night. But at the end of the day, he still lost. Yeah. So that, that's that's what happens now. And hopefully, if, if he changes anything, with, with, hopefully with his new trainer and technique, we, we hope to see in the ring Saturday night. We see something different from Wilder, uh, at least punch-wise or setup-wise. What did Malik Scott, okay, who actually Wilder fought. Now, Malik Scott was a former Sparked heavyweight himself. Sparked him, too, by the way. Yeah, you know. <laughs> so what do you... What do you make of Malik Scott as, as a relatively new trainer, but now training Tyson Fury for, uh, rather, uh, training Deontay Wilder in Wilder's biggest fight of his career? And basically, this is, it's kind of do or die time for Wilder, who is an aging fighter. Yeah. And again, you know, in public perception view, I mean, he's he's not at the peak of the mountain like he was two or three years ago. No, he's not. And the thing with Malik Scott that I think will be interesting, and we'll find out immediately once the bell rings, is if, if, if Malik Scott can somehow train Wilder to undo these things that he hasn't done for like the last 15 fights, where he doesn't set up a jab or use his left hand for certain fights. And we'll see if Malik Scott can do that. I just don't know if that's going to be the case because the one thing I remember Fury mentioning before uh, the media stuff was set up this week, he mentioned a great quote where he says he, he can do all the stuff he wants beforehand until he gets punched and he re- reverts back to what he was before. Right. And that's where I think we're going to get with Wilder once again once he gets hit. All right. Uh, Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury, T-Mobile Arena tomorrow night, heavyweight championship of the world. Looking forward uh, to that. Uh, we were going to play some of the audio yeah. from the uh, press conference today, and especially the last four minutes. Yeah. But because there were so many F-bombs <laughs> that were delivered in that, we, we can't air it. Yeah. And it would, have, it would have put Numchuck to extra, extra, extra work to, I think, you know, record number uh, of Lots of radio breaks. silence. Exactly. Exactly. So you saw it, I'm sure. Yeah. Give us your thoughts because this were two, these were two guys – they were just pretty much on the attack with each other, but it started off kind of slow, kind of mellow, where Deontay Wilder said, you know what, I'm just, I'm, I'm not going to listen to this nonsense. But then he got engaged, and Tyson Fury, as Tyson Fury does, yeah. just took over the press conference, as entertaining as he was, and called out Deontay Wilder. And the thing just, it morphed into four and a half minutes of them just talking over each other, yelling and screaming, where Bob Arum was so infuriated, he said, we're not even going to do a face-off. And he said... I do not want to risk these guys going at it on the stage. He goes, here's Bob's quote, I'm paraphrasing, says, these guys can kill each other in the ring. He goes, but I'm not going to have them do it, you know, on a stage three days before they get in the ring. So yeah. he called off the face-off. Yeah, he didn't want any free action here. Right. So you got to get paper view Saturday night, uh, check your little listings. But no, it's, it's the one thing with uh, that, I, I will admit, and I think also the, to Bob's credit, I guess he didn't want to have the, the same scenario happen beforehand, what happened weeks before with Caleb Plant and Caleb Alvarez, there where, you go. Right. Where, Ke- where Caleb Plant made the first move. I mean, to, to his credit, he, he landed on Canelo, but the 
counter that Canelo had with that left jab, it's the reason why the, the, the odds went up from like 650 to like I think like 1100 now right. at this point. And it's like, yeah, they saw that happen. It's like you can't you can't unsee that. Right. <laughs> All right. Uh, looking forward to it. All right, man. Let, uh, how do you think this uh, fight plays out tomorrow night? You know what? I've been saying it all week, and I'm in the camp where I think this is going to be a draw because there's just way too many unknowns of all of this. And I also i am not a big fan of Russell Moore, who's refereeing this fight, where I just have a feeling that he's going to find some way to make himself part of it. We hope and not. Unfortunately. It, it's weird, TZ, because before that all this started, they had Mark Ortega being near up the referee, which I thought would have been better for Fury. Actually, better for Wilder, actually, because the one thing that Ortega does a lot was he doesn't like anything inside. So and the one thing that Fury did in the second fight was he smothered Wilder to death. And then Ortega wasn't going to have any of that. I don't know what version of Moore we're going to get. Are we going to get an act of Moore or the one that's been sitting watching the undercard Saturday night? So we'll find out. But I think I, I just really think there's just way too many unknowns with that. And also we also know what condition these guys are in because it's been so long of the layoff. Right. I really just yeah. think these guys are just going to fill each other out. Eventually, we're, we're going to get either one or two things. We're going to get a very, we're going to, you're going to get a slow decision win for right. Fury, or he's going, or Fury's going to stop him probably in mid rounds. Right. Kenny Bayless, uh, my man, uh, did uh, the second fight, yeah. and the Nevada State Athletic Commission doesn't like to have uh, referees do back-to-back fights and rematches, no. or even big main events. Uh, after they they do like to spread things out and yeah. show a little e- equality, but Kenny Bayless should be doing this fight. Uh, and I'm sure Kenny Bayless is going to end up with the call of either uh, the Porter-Crawford uh, match or probably Canelo and, and, and Plant, since that will be the next fight on the docket. Okay, now that makes sense. And it's yeah. weird that they don't have the referees doing the same fight over and over again. You, you would think for continuity it would make a lot yeah. more sense. I guess they're just trying to you know, spread the wealth and all that. Fun well, not mentioned. only they're trying to spread the wealth, but then again, if a, a camp has a perceived problem with an official, then that, that just takes it out of the mix. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, kind of very... Very similar that we see with NBA playoffs that we see in, uh, you know, uh, Major League Baseball with the World Series and that sort of thing. I mean, you know, you, you don't keep all of the same crews yeah, together you, to do You don't keep Joe West and Angel Hernandez forever. Thank yeah. oh, God you don't. Country Joe. <laughs> That's the second time this week, along with Steve Sachs, we had a Country Joe West and Angel Hernandez uh, <laughs> uh, sighting on this show. There we go. Oh, that is too funny. All right. Listen. Okay. If you guys heard this, Marquise Jones, Big Fight Weekend. He's pimping the draw. You better run to the you better run to the sports book here at William Hill and, and go for the and go for the draw. And the Houston Astros are on the roll here. Three in the inning wow. right now, and the Astros lead seven to four against the White Sox in the bottom of the seventh inning in Houston. And Houston looking to take a commanding two games to none lead here. So uh, huge inning for the Strohs here as this game was tied four four. As uh, we began the uh, bottom of the seventh, but anyway, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So it's uh, we'll, we'll be you're calling the draw, okay? I'm, I'm going for the draw on this. I I just see th- th- some too much of this doesn't make any sense for me to add up to like to pick a certain winner, and th- when, when that happens because you can't get like a definitive like hey it's just gonna be this guy because of this. Whenever you can't put X and Y to Z, you you, you okay. go with the draw. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna go with, with Tyson Fury again for the same reason. That I went for him in the first time. I just do not see Deontay Wilder getting any better. And when you get that kind of a beatdown, which he received yeah. in the second fight, it is tough to come back from. With, you know, the busted eardrum, the way he was cut up, just mentally and everything. And then we just saw him taking pause for weeks and even the first couple months after this fight, not even sure if he wanted to get back in the ring and, you know, fighting for the rematch clause, and then going through the the trainer changes and all that kind of stuff. And there was a period of time there that we didn't know if Deontay Wilder wanted to fight again, specifically fight Tyson Fury again. But for $30 million, of course, he's going to come in and and, and take the the payday. And they went through arbitration. They went through all this stuff. And here we are because Fury was saying, I'm done with you. Uh, Let's move on to Joshua or somebody else. Now that fight's going to be off because Joshua lost a few weeks ago. Do you think? So, yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. And the crowd going crazy because Kyle These Tucker are just went it yard. Uh, opposite field of the Crawford boxes, it's 9-4. And uh, the Astros on their way to a victory. And uh, that's good for me. Okay. <laughs> I feel bad for our White Sox uh, faithful here uh, in the Cosmopolitan. But anyway, um, yeah. So what gives you the belief that, that Deontay Wilder is going to have to 
that he's actually going to turn into a boxer. Because like when we talk to Teddy Atlas, Freddie Roach, they're saying, yeah. never seen a guy who's been a heavyweight champion the way he is that has so few fundamentals or yeah. is unfundamentally sound. It sounds weird, but he has lived and died by the big right hand. Granted, he can deliver the right hand anytime. Yeah. He could he could win. He very well could win. But if this is is going to go to the scorecards, there's no way in the world, in my opinion, that, Ty, uh, that uh, Deontay Wilder has a shot of winning enough rounds because he just doesn't have those boxing skills where Fury does. Yeah, and the last time Wilder went to a decision was when he first got the belt to begin with against uh, uh, Stavern back yeah. in 2015, right. and that's not happening ever, ever again. Right. So, and that's why I think, well, that's my check, I think it was plus 1,400 for Wilder's decision. That's, yeah. that's, that's kind of flushing money down the toilet, actually. So I, right. I, I, I would avoid all that. Right. So, uh, my thing with Wilder that I think is going to be different is I really think TC, Malik Scott, one way or another, because they had, they had, they've had all this time, all this preparation, He's had to learn at least to set up this right hand. That's what I think right. we're going to see in this fight. I don't think we're going to see Oscar De La Hoya, you know, taking on Tyson Fury Saturday night. I don't think that's going to happen anytime right. soon. I just think that we'll see a vision of water that at least we'll be able to do one or two things. Either find his jab range so he can set up the right hand or at least attack the body, which is something that he needed to do the last two fights that he didn't do at all whatsoever. Everybody will be on the edge of their seat waiting for the big right hand or you know we'll see what happens for, for either one of these guys so looking forward to it all right he is marquise johns big fight weekend plug away my friend absolutely you can find me on twitter at week sauce radio uh the website bigfightweekend.com where all things i write for boxing news uh past present future we'll keep an eye on everything going on here in vegas because i'm here for the fights should be a fun time tc this is this is amazing this, this is a pretty cool setup here by the way this is pretty good stuff thank you man i appreciate it yeah <laughs> do a fantastic job here this is our friday home and uh, in our special event home as well too so we appreciate you being here my friend and He's a great follow, not only on Twitter, but uh, on his website, too, at Big Fight Weekend. Always covering it. And, uh, and uh, we'll have we got you and I and TJ Reeves and, and others coming up. Uh, actually, the podcast out there right now, right? Yeah, the podcast out there is where we find podcasts located. Uh, Big Fight Weekend. You can just Google it. It'll pop up immediately. Uh, that's our podcast. Actually, if we did a recap uh, yesterday, that's right. out right now with all of us breaking down the fight as well. All right. Looking forward to that. And uh, if people can go out there and, uh, and find it. And it's always uh, fun being on with you, my friend. Absolutely, Thanks so much, man. There it is. All right, Marquise Johns joins us as we get ready tomorrow for Fury Wilder 3 T-Mobile Arena. It's billed as once and for all, and we'll see how it shakes down tomorrow night at T-Mobile Arena. When we come back, Marco D'Angelo is in the house. He's going to join us. We start handicapping some college and some NFL, and we'll get you an update with the Major League Baseball Division Series next on this fabulous Friday. It is the T.C. Martin Show Live from the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. around your door and more of what you're looking for with the Dr. T.C. Martin. A fabulous Friday from the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. T.C. Martin in the house. I want to thank Marquise Johns for Big Fight Weekend for joining us uh, last segment. And uh, we're bringing in Marco D'Angelo from Wager Talk. He is in the house. Always love having Marco on because we're breaking it down college football, the NFL, and, of course, the Major League Baseball. Marco, what is happening, my friend? Uh, it's been a good week, uh, TC. The uh, football's been going well for us the last couple weeks, and uh, I got a lot of dogs I like this weekend, so really? hopefully they'll be barking loud. He should have been on uh, TJ Reeves' uh, you know, three-dog Thursday, man. There you go. This, these guys from Florida, they're always bugging me about, come up with some dogs, come up with some dogs. I go, I don't always like the dogs. And then I've been, uh, now I've been on fire. I've won four weeks in a row with, with dogs, and they've all one outright so now these guys are hitting me up every week and said now who is it and i said you know there's only a couple dogs that i really like but i don't like outright winning dogs for this week in the nfl i don't know about you i have a few i like them one one's going to be kind of you know hard to swallow because i I think it's going to be a public play the other way and uh, i always i always love going against the public all right good (laughs) stuff all right marco let's get everybody caught up on what's happening in major league baseball right now the houston astros have exploded and they're about ready to take a two games to none lead in this best of five alds it's nine four uh the strokes came in here as a slight favorite, like what a, a buck twenty favorite with uh, Framber Valdez 
uh, on, on the mound has kind of been a little uneven over the last month, month and a half of the season. And uh, with Lucas Giolito, not sure what you get with him. And uh, the Astros got to Giolito early today. Uh, White Sox came back. It was 4-4. And then Houston erupted for five runs in the bottom of the seventh. And that's where we stand now in the uh, top of the eighth. So the White Sox basically are four outs away from being down two games to love in this series. Yeah, no question about it. You know with this Houston team, they've got an explosive offense. My question is, I see your sport in a Houston uh, T-shirt today. Is that as a fan or as a ticket in your pocket? <laughs> so it's funny you say that is because, first and foremost, it is – it's neither one. It's Van, but as you know, Dusty Baker is one of my best friends, so I always support Dusty no matter where he's at. So, uh, again, uh, got a chance to spend a week or so with him uh, about a month and a half ago at, at, uh, at a homestand there and have my trip planned. I actually was supposed to be there for this this weekend, but the WNBA playoffs got in the way where I have to do my play-by-play duties. So I already booked my, my flight, hotel, and tickets for the ALCS games three, four, and five a while back because that works in my schedule. And I said, I just need the Astros to do their job to get there and defeat uh, the White Sox, but I need the Tampa Bay Rays to win as well. Therefore, I can get games three, four, and five. If Boston upsets them, then now I've got to go start scrambling and try to change flights around. And with the WNBA finals, if the Aces win tonight, they'll be in the finals. So uh, I, I just, uh, I've had this kind of ladder effect of this needs to happen, this needs to happen. So, so far, I need two more things to happen, Marco. Can, can you endorse that for me? Yeah, I'm not feeling sorry for you. That's a pretty good schedule. <laughs> WNBA finals and uh, Major League Baseball playoffs. Uh, you're, you're living a good life, TC. Uh, but, uh, yeah, and... And I do have a ticket in my pocket. Not this game, but I bet the Astros at the beginning of the season at 22 to 1. And I got better odds than Mattress Mac. Because Mattress Mac, if you probably heard, he went 16 to 1 to bet a million on the Astros at, at 16 to 1. And those that don't know the Mattress Mac story, he is uh, uh, the guy who owns uh, the gallery furniture uh, chain st- uh, stores in, in Houston. And he's famous for betting on the Astros, betting on uh, anything there in Houston. Uh, usually doesn't have the best of luck. So that scares me a little bit. But uh, Mattress Mac got him at 16 to 1 and then recently at 10 to 1. So I got him at 22 to 1 back in April. Well, you uh, you beat the closing line value. That's what everybody <laughs> likes to do. Right. And uh, Mattress Mac, I mean, he does it as a advertising, uh, right. you know, he's hedging his advertisement promotion. Yeah. And uh, the other thing that Mattress Mac is known for, I'm not sure you know, but if you've ever watched a horse race, you've seen Run Happy ads. Mm-hmm. Uh, he owns Run Happy, the stallion. So uh, he's he's got his hand into everything. He's a sports guy, no doubt. Yeah. And like you said, from a business standpoint, yeah. so he basically, if the Astros win, then he's going to basically give everyone uh, if you've bought furniture you know, I, I think a minimum of $3,000, you get you get refunded that that yeah. money in the last year. Yeah, that's, that's and pretty so good And so that's why you said he's hedging his bet. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to pay for that, right? Absolutely, uh, and, and it's great promotion for him, but he does... Uh, in the community, I mean, when they got when they got hit with uh, the hurricanes and stuff, yeah. I mean, he does so much for that he for does. the city. Uh, in that, actually, let people come into his furniture store that you know were put out, uh, you know, homeless at the time. So, uh, nice guy. You like to see see that uh, work out for him. Another horse owner that's a nice guy. Yeah, yeah. you double that. B and and, <laughs> and mattress Mac. There you go. All right, my friend, uh, let's stick with Major League Baseball here. Uh, what, what are your thoughts, and who do you have in these series? Uh, I don't have any series plays. I like to take the games uh, game by game because mm-hmm. sometimes then it ends up clouding your judgment on other bets. But uh, I do have one play tonight. We were in action last night. We had Tampa Bay, and I'm coming right back with Tampa Bay. I love uh, uh, Boz on the mound tonight. You know, he's only had three starts up here. A sensational rookie. I love taking uh, young pitchers the first time through the league because you have that advantage. The hitters haven't seen them. It'll be the first time Boston has seen them. And then, you know, if they just get him through the lineup a couple times, you've got that Tampa Bay bullpen. I I mean, I think Tampa Bay is the most complete team. Uh, You know, they've got the starting pitching. They've got the bullpen. They can hit, you know, and they were in the World Series last year. They they got a taste of it. They want to get back. Uh, You know, I love to see those teams that lose, uh, you know, the championship game and have the chance to go back and get the revenge. And they're on a mission. I like them tonight. 
So it's funny that you use the term starting pitching with the Tampa Bay Rays because obviously Kevin Cash is famous for yeah. using the quote-unquote opener. Yep. And, you know, basically you throw out, uh, except for Michael Waka, you haven't heard of any of these other starters that he throws out there. And these are young guys, like you said, and they can come out there and get three outs, maybe two innings, three innings max. So it's funny when you... How do you handicap starting pitching with the Tampa Bay Rays when he goes with that routine? Well, it's a situation because they are so deep with their bullpen and anybody that they can go to. It's really an advantage because, again, you're not having a guy out there for five or six innings that's going to flip the lineup three times. You're going to get him through the lineup once, twice at the most. So, you know, it's an advantage to the, to the pitching staff in those instances. When I play Tampa, I'll have more full game wagers because I trust their bullpen. Other teams, like the Atlanta Braves, if I'm betting the Braves, I'm betting first five uh, wagers because I just don't want to go to the bullpen with a team like them. Uh, you know, the Dodgers, a lot of times, uh, you know, I'll stay first five with them because <laughs> you, the bullpen, you don't know what you're going to get with Jansen whenever he comes in. I hold my breath every time I course, see him on the yeah. mound. So, you know, you have to have the characteristics of the teams and know which way you want to go. Is this a first five inning team or is this a full game team? All right. Thoughts on the Giants and the Dodgers. I mean, talk about a rivalry. Talking about, I mean, these guys played 19 times during the course of the season. Uh, Going into the final game of the regular season, these guys still battling for, you know, the the division crown, the NL West, and then, you know, the loser having to play in the wild card game, which was the Dodgers, and then they got the the two-run homer for, you know, for them to, to, to get to this spot here. But still, Giants end up, uh, winning 10 out of the 19 games, so 10 to 9, the run differential basically even. It's just been amazing when you look at these two teams, 105 wins you know, each, and uh, they're facing off in a division series. It's You couldn't ask for any more. For the Dodgers, we expected all of this. Nobody expected this out of the, out of the Giants. Uh, on paper, this team was not supposed to do what they did. Uh, kudos to the manager. Uh, the team is a, you know, a complete team. They're playing as a team uh, from top to bottom. You know, every night there seems like to be a different star. What this game won, though, I've got to look at Walker Bueller, and I've got to look at first five. Uh, this, this is one of those instances where if I was playing the game, which I didn't for my clients tonight, we only have the one play, but this one I would go first five with the Dodgers. I'm not interested in going the full game with them. All right. How do you see this series playing out? You know what? Again, it has been such a magical year for the Giants. I hate to step in front of a team like yeah. that. The Dodgers were the team last year. They got it done. Uh, but this is a spot that when it goes to, does it come down to the uh, home field? Uh, you know, I mean, baseball, I don't think home field is as important in baseball as it is in the other sports. But uh, still, they got that 10-9. They got the 3-2 uh, <laughs> with the home. Let's make a weak vote. If I had to play the series, I would go with the, the Giants because it's just been one of those years. That, you know, I, I enjoy watching them. They're fun to watch. Ever since June or even July, people are waiting for the Giants to come back. And yeah. the Brewers were a perfect example of this. For so many years, they would start out on fire, and then once you got to 4th of July, this team just started to fade. And I think a lot of people thought that was going to happen with the Giants, but it didn't happen at all. If anything, they just continued to win, and they got a lot of great breaks as well, too. I mean, when they needed a two-run homer, a three-run homer, they got it. When they needed to get a a stellar pitching uh, performance, they got it. And again, not a lot of household names with this Giants team. And then you come in with a new manager who is who is discarded, you know, in Texas. And he comes over here, and it's like, you know, even Giants fans are saying, yeah, I don't think much of this. Then they get, you know, Chris Bryant at the trading deadline. And uh, th- this team continues to win. It's crazy. And I know from a sportsbook perspective, sportsbook directors are holding their breath because the Giants were, were 100-1 to 1 at the beginning of the season. And there's a huge liability in this town with money on, on the San Francisco Giants. If the Giants do win the World Series this year, sportsbooks are going to be you know, in, in, the, uh, in, in the red for millions upon millions. It, again, you know, it was a big surprise with them. And you hit the nail on the head. The starting rotation, I mean, there's no house, there's no big names. I mean, remember coming into the season, you said they never fell off. 
this was a three-team race until the final couple right. weeks of the season. The Padres just absolutely, I mean, you talk about a collapse. Uh, you know, it was monumental what they had down the stretch. And coming into the season, it was supposed to be the Padres in the Dodgers. I think they spent but, too much time uh, once Del Mar opened. I think they just went over to Del Mar and, uh, you know, hanging out at the beach and over at your track over there. Yeah, and, you know, but remember when we came in, you know, in the off season and they signed Snell and everything. Everybody was talking about this team and what it was going to be with that pitching and Pat Chris Paddock was supposed to be one of those young pitchers you know that had so much promise and uh, and then in, at the trade deadline they're going out and getting guys uh, like uh, Vince Velasquez from Philadelphia that you know I would have not spent you know a nickel on but they didn't have any other choice they had to find some arms and it was bad down the stretch All right. quick take on the Braves and the Brewers I like the pitching of the Brewers. I like the bullpen. Uh, huge edge when you go to the bullpen with the Brewers. And, again, that's a team, as I said, the games I take the Braves, it'll be a first five-inning wager. The games that I take the Brewers, it's the complete game because I, I like the bullpen. You, they've got a huge edge over Atlanta. I'll take the Braves for the series. Or, excuse me, I'll take Milwaukee for yep. the series. All right, Marco D'Angelo, wagertalk.com. Check out all of his plays and his picks there. Uh, fantastic handicapper. Love having him with us here. All right, uh, Marco, let's talk a little about some college football here. Um, let's start with the game tonight. We've got Stanford and Arizona State. A uh, little Pac-12 battle here. Uh, Arizona State, look at this team, huh? They're uh, they're at the top of the, the Pac-12 stands. Herm Edwards has done himself a pretty nice job. Stanford, you're not exactly sure what you're going to get. I know Stanford's been a big money burner for a lot of people, not sure you know, what to expect. Remember they came in as, what, 21-point dog and basically, uh, you know, cost Clay Hilton his job <laughs> as it went into USC and, and won there rather handily. Then last week they were at home and they can't beat UCLA. They go on the road early in the season to K-State. They can't, you know, K-State, uh, you know, wins rather handily. The Stanford team, how do you handicap them? Well, I handicapped them pretty good last week here on your show. I gave you them did? out against uh, Oregon. We got the upset there. Yeah. And actually... I was right on both of these teams. They were good to me last week for my clients. I had Arizona State uh, with the big win over UCLA. Uh, I like this Arizona State team. I don't want to lay this many points with them tonight. I think what you're going to get, both teams coming off of major wins last week. It's a Friday night on a short week. Uh, I think you're going to go back to Herm Edwards' roots, and that's going to be defense, and I think you're going to see them running the football tonight. I like the under in this game. We have seen movement to the over, but that's not uncommon on game day to see a total go up when it's, you know, there's a couple other games tonight, but this is the only game tonight really on the board. The the fans like to bet overs. We know that. Yeah. The John Q. Public's not betting unders, and that's why you're seeing some of that movement to the over. I like it under tonight would be the only play I would make on the game. Yeah, and when you look at uh, what Stanford did last week, uh, defeating Oregon, uh, winning in overtime, that was a huge win you know, for Stanford. And again, not exactly sure what you're going to get with Stanford week in and week out. And I've always liked David Shaw as a coach. Quarterback situation, it's taken some time, but you know they've got that settled uh, you know, in right now. But it, it seems like a pretty big number, um, even though Stanford is on the road, you know, to lay 13 if you like ASU. It, it is a big number, but I'm going to tell you, I, you know, I do a radio show in Arizona every week, so I've been you know, really tuned into this Arizona State team because I have to. They're good. Uh, I, you know, they, they had the bad game uh, early in the season that they lost uh, when they went to BYU. They dominated that game. If you watched the game and looked at the statistics in that game, they had four turnovers and a 16-3 to penalty difference in that game. That's how they lost that game. This is a team that's going to be tough to be beat. I think they can come out of their division, uh, you know, with uh, winning their side of the bracket in the Pac-12. All right, let's take a look at some of the games, uh, college football on Saturday. The the big one, obviously, at the Texas State Fair, Oklahoma and Texas, Red River shootout, rivalry, whatever friendly name that we have to call it now, which I don't abide by, you know. <laughs> I mean, come on. Oklahoma, favored by three. Oklahoma has had Texas's number uh, 
recently. Texas, obviously, with the coaching change. Steve Sarkeesian there. Lincoln Riley knows all about this rivalry. Oklahoma minus three. Yeah, I got to go Oklahoma in this one and lay the three. I know it looks awful tempting to grab Texas and all those points the way they're putting points up, but this team can't stop anybody. Uh, the difference is Oklahoma's defense, and I think they'll get the job done. What's not uh, the norm for Oklahoma this year is their offense has not been explosive. We have not seen that, and that's another reason why I think you're going to see more public money on Texas in this game, but I do like Oklahoma minus the three. All right, Ohio State and Maryland. Uh, Ohio State finally got untracked uh, against Rutgers last week, and they obliterated them on the road. I know there were you know, a lot of people that were thinking about maybe taking you know Rutgers. I believe that line was, what, 15 and a half points last week. Now we're back to a conventional Ohio State line. They're favored by three touchdowns over Maryland, and Maryland was downright abysmal last week. Yeah, it's a bad spot for Maryland. They had that big TV game last week against Iowa, had a chance to you know make a statement, and, man, they were just horrible from start to finish. Uh, I'd have to look at Ohio State here. The problem with Ohio State has been – the defense giving up points, uh, you know, maybe you're always looking for that back door being open. Another way to play this game is to take Ohio State first half, right. bring that line down a little bit, and I, I think you're going to see them get out to a big lead early. And one thing uh, with Ryan Day, he doesn't take his foot off the gas. You know, these coaches, you know, they they won't say it, but they some of these coaches know the point spread. I'm, I'm sorry. And they, they like to make the alumni happy. And think about it with Maryland. Maryland's capable of scoring. I mean, you know, they got two his younger brother. I mean, he's capable. They've got some offense, defense. That's a question mark. But, again, it was non-existent last week. Yeah. yeah. And, but, again, they're going to see a much different defense <laughs> this week than they saw right. last week. I yep. mean, Iowa's uh, top four in the country defensively. Yep. You got it. All right. Arkansas and Ole Miss. Arkansas was kind of the flavor of the month after they obliterated Texas 41-21 early on in the season. But then they got it handed to them, you know, last week. Uh, got what, shut out. Um, you know, uh, by Georgia, uh, Ole Miss, five and a half. And we know that Ole Miss can move the ball. Elaine Kiffin offense. And uh, Matt Corral is a very good quarterback. Yeah. I think uh, people are going to be quick to jump back on the old Miss bandwagon uh, saying, hey, that was Alabama, you know, and they, they'll get back. Yes, they can score points, no question about it, but their defense can't stop anybody. I think Arkansas bounces back. A little bit of a difference playing uh, Mississippi than playing Georgia. I yeah. think they'll find uh, the offensive plays will be working much better this week. I'll take the dog plus the points. And, and same thing with both these teams. I mean, they both, you know, played the powerhouses. Ole Miss, you know, got slammed by Alabama, and then Arkansas got slammed by, by Georgia, and now, you know, they, they, they get back, uh, you know, to kind of even ground here to see what happens. But Ole Miss, pretty good at home, laying five and a half. Marco likes the, the dog uh, with a little suey pig there. Yeah. We'll see what happens there. Speaking of Georgia, 15 and a half against Auburn on the road. Uh, Naked Eye says this this seems pretty uh, a high number, especially we're familiar with Auburn, with, with Bo Nix and the good running backs that they have. They're capable of scoring, and Auburn is at home. And Auburn is coming off of a come-from-behind win. It was against LSU, but still, LSU is still a tough place to play at night. And LSU looked pretty good for a majority of that game last week. I was on Auburn in that game, and I was sweating it because, yes, they trailed almost that entire game and got the late touchdown, uh, got me the win with Auburn. This is a spot where that Georgia defense is for real. And my question is with Bo Nix, he just isn't that, you know, I know he came in with a lot of hoopla when he came to Auburn, but he has never lived up to it. And going against this defense, I don't trust it. It's a lot of points on the road. I would lean to Georgia. What I like better I like the under in the game. I just don't see uh, uh, Auburn scoring enough points to get this game over the total. All right. We talked a little bit about Iowa and what they did to Maryland last week. Uh, Iowa's hosting Penn State, virtually a pick em here. Iowa currently a point-and-a-half uh, favorite. Uh, Iowa's defense, stellar. We know that. Penn State, what are we going to get from them this week? Yeah, you talk about defense. These two teams are ranked third and fourth in the country. Guess what? They're also ranked third and fourth in the country defensively. Uh, this is a spot where you've got two good defenses. i got to look at which quarterback I think is going to have the better game. And for me, that's the Penn State quarterback, Sean uh, Clifford. 
He is having a magnificent season. He's averaging 267 yards per game, uh, throwing the football, an 11-3 touchdown-to-interception ratio, and he's already had a couple big games on the season. Now, granted, now that Wisconsin win doesn't look as good because Wisconsin, you know, really has not been good since then. But to open up the season on the road at Wisconsin, that was a huge game. It's a tough place to go in there and win. Then they had the whiteout game at Happy Valley against Auburn. So he's already had two big games. The only big game that uh, Iowa's had, last week they were on TV against Maryland, but it was too easy. Their signature win was Iowa State, and we saw Iowa State here. The only teams they can, they've shown that they can beat up this year are winner 30-point favorites. So uh, I like Penn State in the game. It's uh, right around to pick them now. Uh, I think they get the job done. All right. Alabama, Texas A&M, Alabama lane 18 on the road. Alabama has spanked uh, the Aggies uh, over the last uh, few seasons. Really, we haven't seen A&M really give Alabama a tussle since Johnny Manziel was there. I think that was the last time, seriously, that uh, they played him tough. Uh, Alabama, it just seems, Marco, doesn't matter if they're home or away, can't make a number big enough right now. You can't, and you know, I said it in the earlier segment, coaches that know point spreads. Nick Saban <laughs> always knows what the point spread is, and, and uh, he manages to get it. And the thing is, Vegas knows that too, and they keep adding points to Alabama, and they keep covering. But i got to tell you, TC, if you do it strictly from a number standpoint, the value side is Texas A&M. But I just can't pull the trigger there. I'm not going to lay this many points on the road, and I think it's actually a couple points too high because Vegas is trying to slow down the money on Alabama. And the other thing that they get pounded on every week with Alabama, TC, is people bet the first half. They have been absolute gold laying first half with Alabama. And when you look at the the halftime lines, and I didn't look what it was on this one, but it's always higher than what a traditional halftime line would be. They add a point, point and a half to it, from what it should be just by the metrics because they know they're getting one-sided on that bet, and it's been money for two years. All right, we'll get your best bets a little bit later on. Anything outside of your best bets that you've seen some intriguing line moves or something personally that you like? Well, there's a game uh, outside of my best bets. Uh, The Notre Dame-Virginia Tech game is an intriguing game to me. Uh, For Notre Dame, I always have an angle in college football, TC, that I call the dream crusher game. And what that simply is is when a team loses the game that I think ends their season goals. And for me, Notre Dame losing last week, when you go to Notre Dame, your goal is to play in the playoffs for the national championship. A one-loss Notre Dame team, I don't care if they run the table, there's nobody left on their schedule that's you know, big enough to, to bump them back up, and they're always going to have to be behind Cincinnati in, you know, any placing. I don't see them getting into the playoffs. So this was, that was the Dream Crusher game last week, and to have to turn around, go on the road this week to play a Virginia Tech team that had last week off, two weeks to prepare for them. It's a night game at Virginia Tech. That crowd's going to be crazy, and we've seen the Notre Dame defense. It is not good this year. They are giving up a lot of points. Justin Fuentes, the head coach of Virginia Tech, is an offensive-minded coach. I think Notre Dame's going to have their hands full with Virginia Tech, and how many people are going to look at the line sheet, pick it up, Notre Dame, a pick them. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, that looks too easy, buddy. <laughs> All right. Uh, we'll dive into this uh, game a little bit more uh, next hour as well, too, once we get to our, our best bets. All right. Marco D'Angelo in the house, wagertalk.com. Go to that website. Check it out, and you can get Marco's picks. And, again, great opinion, great analysis, and uh, get educated. I mean, definitely get educated by listening to, to Marco and all of our great handicappers here, part of the show. All right. When we come back. Mike Pritchard is going to join us. We start breaking down the NFL, and we start looking at week number five, including the Raiders at home taking on the Chicago Bears, plus uh, several other marquee games on the docket as well, too. It is the T.C. Martin Show live from the Cosmopolitan Las Vegas, a football-slash-baseball-slash-boxing Friday. Glad to have you with us. Back with more on the other side of our number two. 